In this session, I want you to open your Bible, please, to the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, and to the fourth chapter, Genesis chapter 4. In other visits to this church, I recall preaching a message from the Genesis, the gospel, as is found in Genesis chapter 1. Another time, when it was a Bible conference time, I preached on the gospel as is found in Genesis 2. This morning, I want us to look at the gospel as is found in Genesis chapter 4. If you're new to our ministry, as in first verse, first service, I met some people who were new to the church visit our website or just go type in my name and that will direct you to the website revivalcrusade.com spell Glenn with two N's Matthews with one T exactly opposite of how it's usually done Father I thank you Lord for the honor that is mine in being here. Just thank you for brothers in Christ and sisters in Christ. Thank you that we're part of the family of God. Now at this time, may the Holy Spirit govern my thoughts and words. May we hear with receptive hearts. And this morning, somebody sitting here watching on television, whatever. May their hearts be drawn to you and this day be a day of salvation for them. In Christ's name, amen. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 4. Very familiar passage of Scripture. And Adam knew Eve, his wife. And she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. The word Cain, Cain, literally means man from the Lord. Eve gave birth to Cain thinking that Cain was the fulfillment of the promise that God made to her in the third chapter of Genesis. Look back, if you will. Verse 15. Because God had put a curse upon the serpent. Verse 14. Verse 15. I will put enmity between thee, serpent, Satan and the woman between thy seed serpent Satan will have a seed and her seed it the seed of the woman shall bruise thy head and thou Satan serpent shall bruise his heel wow the word seed, S-E-E-D, in everywhere in the Bible, 
is, except this verse is masculine. The word in the biblical language is zerah, Z-A-R-A-H. That's Old Testament. The word in the New Testament language is sperma, S-P-E-R-M-A. The conception occurs when the sperm of the male enters the egg of the woman. If that's the case, and life begins at conception, which it does, there is no such thing as a woman who is pregnant being called an expectant mother. She's already a mother. The expectant mother is the woman who hopes to get pregnant. She's expected, but the one that we say she's expecting is already a mother. The life began at that conception. When Eve gave birth to Cain, she named him Cain because that means man from the Lord. She honestly thought that she was going, that she had given birth to this one who was the seed from the Lord and would bruise the head of the serpent and restore life to Eden. She was wrong. The seed of the woman ultimately came from the womb of a virgin Mary. That's the seed. Verse, two, verse 1 again. Adam knew his wife. She conceived and bare Cain and said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. Did you notice there's mention of two births, but only one conception? Doesn't say that she conceived again. In my understanding, the boys were brothers, twins. Now here's the problem. If Cain is the seed, then what's this other one doing here? If the Cain is not the seed, then why did I have him? She again bred his brother Abel, Abel. The name Abel, Abel, has been, quote, romanticized, Christianized, and, quote, it means a cinder, like he who goes up. That sounds good. It's just hardly biblical. The word, lit word literally means empty, vain. Really? Here's the thinking. Cain is the seed that's going to restore Eden. What do I need this one for? It's vanity. It's unnecessary. That's amazing. You got one that is presumed to be the seed. The New Testament tells us that Cain 
was of that wicked one, the devil. And then you got one whose name means vanity, without value, profitless, and yet that's the one that God will accept when the boys come to worship. I'll read more in a minute. Imagine yourself standing between the two tracks of a railroad. You're standing on the timber between them, the railroad tie. It's a long way. You can see way off on the horizon. And you know that if you should walk there, that the distance between the two rails is the same out there as it is where you're standing. By the way, trivia, do you know that the railroad tra tracks are the distance apart that they are? Because that was the different distance of the chariot wheels on a Roman chariot. That won't cost you anything as trivia. But you know that out on the horizon, the tracks are still the same distance apart. But when you look far off, you have a tendency to condense everything so that it looks like at the horizon, the tracks come together. We're looking back in history. And the further back we look, the closer we want to squeeze everything, almost to the point that, you know, God created them at 9 o'clock and 10 o'clock they sinned and 11 o'clock he drove them out of the garden. I would submit to you that Cain and Abel are grown men. Eventually, they had another son and they had many, many sons, many daughters. I believe that. They were to multiply not add, multiply, replenish the earth. And when the third son, whose name we have, Seth, was born, Adam had been alive for 130 years. That guy lived to be 930 years old. And you don't, and the women, long lives. Do you really believe that you would live on this earth 900 plus years and have only maybe 30 years when you could have a child, be a childbearing person? No, they had many, many children. We only know of the third one, Seth. His name, by the way, is, means substitute. He takes the place of Abel, who Cain had slain. Uh, I'll try to stop interrupting myself. Some things I want you to see from the message this morning. God reveals before he requires. God reveals before he requires. We'll talk about that. When God requires, he requires that it be done his way. We'll talk about that. When it's worship is done his way, he accepts it. When his way is rejected, judgment follows. That's the gist of the sermon. Now, 
clear the record. Cain and Abel are not boys. They're grown men. The very next phrase, okay, verse 3, in the process of time, we will get there. But I look at verse 2. She again bare his brother Abel. One conception, two births. Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Whatever in the Bible you read that word, but, everything's going to change. It's a crucial point. If he was just giving us information, he would have said, Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain was a tiller of ground. But it doesn't say and, it says but. It's a contrast that's coming. And in the process of time, Hebrew, at the conclusion of days, think now, this suggests that there were certain days when these people, Adam, Eve, Abel, Cain, worshipped. It didn't happen in a moment, in a day. It's in the process of time. The Bible talks about, New Testament, about three rebels. It talks about a man by the name of Korah and a man by the name of Balaam and this man Cain. It says of Korah, the rebellion of, the rebellion of Korah. That's one time, one event, when that man led a rebellion against Moses and his leadership. And that event, one time, the earth swallowed him up and all those who sided with him when he wanted to usurp the authority of Moses and take over the position of leader of Israel. And God judged him swiftly and severely. That's a one-time event. He talks, of, the Bible mentions Balaam. He's the prophet, P-R-O-P-H-E-T, that sold out for prophet, P-R-O-F-I-T. That's a one-time event. That's numbers. That cost him his life. But the same verse that talks about the one-time event of Korah and the one-time event of Balaam talks of the way, W-A-Y, of Cain. It's not a one-time these men, Abel, Cain, came to worship at set times. We're not talking about an event of Cain. We're talking about a way of Cain. Question, how did they know to worship? Is there something in the, quote, DNA of man that makes him want to worship? I believe there is. In every society, there is worship. Even the most primitive of tribes 
years ago who had no light, no knowledge, no light of the truth of the existence of God worshipped. And they worshipped not one, but many gods. Could be, could be people, could be trees, things, but they worship. There's something in us that makes us want to worship. He that cometh to God, not he that is forced. He that voluntarily of his own volition comes to God must believe that he is, as contrasted with all the other lowercase g gods, and that he is a rewarder of them that seek him. It implies not only an existence of God, a belief in God, but it implies a relationship with God. He is a rewarder of those that seek him. We're talking about the way of Cain. Yes, there's that DNA, but how did they know to worship? Daddy taught them. Daddy taught them. Adam, Eve taught them. Well, how did they learn it? God taught them. The worship of Genesis 4 is based after the worship of Genesis 3, where after their sin, God in judgment extended grace. Before he drove them out of the garden, God killed innocent animals, slew them, and made coats, plural, of skins, plural, to cover their nakedness. My understanding, before their sin, they were, quote, physically naked, but the Bible said they were not ashamed. They were, my understanding, clothed in the very glory of God. That's how they could be naked and not be ashamed. Their clothing was the glory of God. And when they sinned, that glory, Ichabod, departed. And before he drove them out of the garden, he took innocent animals, slew them, shed their blood, and made coats of skins to cover their nakedness. We've come a long way, baby. Now people are naked and not ashamed. Yeah, we've come a long way, but it's not up. God, before he requires, reveals. They knew to worship because God had instructed their father who had instructed them. They knew what God accepted and what God did not accept. Now, there's nothing in the Bible that even suggests that Abel came voluntarily and Cain was forced to come. I would have to assume that Cain came just as sincerely as did Abel. 
And there's nothing to suggest that Cain brought a bunch of rotten rutabagas or something. I believe he brought the first, the best of his crop. You know, Abel might have said, Daddy, there are times that keeping the sheep is not easy. The other day I had to kill a wolf that was coming in to kill one of our sheep. Cain said, growing vegetables not easy either. Their weeds grow much faster. One crop after another after another, and there's all kind of bugs that eat them, aphids and all kind of beetles that eat the crop. It's not easy. It wasn't. Why is it so hard, Daddy? Because, go back to Genesis, Eden, be sinned. God drove us out, but he clothed us first. A long time is a process of time. Now, Cain brought the best that he had. Abel brought the best that he had. Abel's offering was accepted. Cain was rejected, not on the basis of their sincerity or lack of it, not on the basis of their voluntarily coming or being coerced into coming, but they were accepted or rejected solely on the base of the, the basis of the offering that they came. In the book of Leviticus, there are five different offerings that are presented. The last of those is a grain offering called a meal offering. The offering of the fifth one, the grain or meal offering, is a fellowship offering. But the first is bird offering, sin offering, etc. You know what Cain was trying to do? Try, Cain was trying to give a fellowship offering without preceding it with a blood offering. That's it. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. Abel was accepted because he brought the right sacrifice. Cain was rejected because he brought the wrong sacrifice. It happened over a process of time. I don't suspect this is the first time they came to worship. Neither do I expect or assume that it's the first time he ever brought the firstling of the flock. Maybe so. Maybe he had come before. But now he brings the wrong offering and he is rejected. Cain should have said, whoa, I'm wrong. Wait a minute. Let me get an acceptable offering. Let me kill an animal. Let me shed its blood. Let that innocent be my representative and you take my blood, take my sin away because of my blood offering. The innocent dying for the guilty. That's what he should have said. You know what he said? God, you're not fair. It's hard, difficult to raise crops. And I brought you the very best 
that I had to bring. You should accept that just as readily as you accepted my baby brother Abel's. Are you surprised? Cain was of that wicked one, the devil. You know what Cain is doing? Cain is saying, God, I want to have fellowship with you predicated, based upon the quality and quantity of my works. Cain becomes the father of every religion in the world with the exception of biblical Christianity. It is all Hinduism, works. Buddhism, works. Shinto, works. Islam, works. Judaism, works. Roman Catholicism, works. A lot of so-called Christian denomination, works. I suppose I have a list of 43 dumb things. One of the first on that list is, I just hope my good works outweigh my bad works. That is dumb. Now, ignorance can be corrected with education, but stupidity is terminal. <laughs> if, if you are hoping you're going to heaven because your good works outweigh your bad works, that's stupid. You don't even know what a good work weighs as contrasted with a bad work. You don't even know what the good works are because the Bible said all of our righteousnesses, all of our righteous acts are as filthy rags in God's sight. You don't even know where the scales are. You cannot mix grace and works. Abel comes grace, burnt offering, God accepts it. Cain comes, works, God rejects him. Every false religion in the world, including a lot of so-called Christian religions, are based upon Cain and works. Mormonism is works. They've got three different heavens. God was one time a man who became a god on another planet. And if you do well and all of that, you can get to the first heaven or the second heaven. Maybe even a few of you get to the third heaven. Give me a barf bag. That's stupid. It's not only not biblical, it's not logical. And yet the attitude of Cain is the attitude of mankind today. God is being too restrictive, and you Bible believers are too rigid and strict. You ought to be open and accepting of people as they are. The problem with people is they are as they are. They need to be changed by the power of God. Cain becomes the father of every false religion that is based on works. And instead of repenting, what is it? he becomes angry. Look in the book. In the process of time, Abel brought the firstlings of his flock 
Verse 4, the Lord had respect to Abel and to his offering. But, there it is again, unto Cain and to his offering he had no respect. And Cain said, oh, I'm so sorry, I repent. No, he got angry. Verse 6, why are you angry? Verse 7, if you do well, shalt thou not be accepted? You know what that is not saying? That's not saying if you work harder. It's saying if you do well in that you bring the right offering. And if you do not well, sin lieth at the door. That phrase, sin lieth at the door, has been the topic of a lot of discussions through the centuries. One interpretation. Look, there is a sin offering right at the door. Get that. Offer it. I will accept you. Another is sin as that you're, you've done that. You're guilty of doing this. It's on your responsibility. It's at your door. You're responsible for it. You can't blame Abel. You can't blame mother or daddy. You can't blame me, God is saying. I revealed the right way before I required your worship, and now you're guilty. There's even another school of thought is that the sin lieth at the door. You are going to do even worse than you've already done. Sin grows. Lust brings forth sin. Sin, when it's finished, brings forth death. Whichever interpretation you make is not of importance to me this morning. Look, if you said, verse 8 and over 7, second part. God said to Cain, and unto you, Cain, will be his, Abel's desire, and thou shalt rule over him. What? Cain is the firstborn. You'll see it later in the structure of the Jewish family. The firstborn has the bulk of the inheritance. The secondborn and others are subject to the rulership of the firstborn. He's the Lord. They are under him. The firstborn is responsible for the secondborn. The older brother responsible for his younger brother. That's why the question, am I my brother's keeper? Answer, yes. And his desire would be unto you. You're supposed to rule over him. That was the same thing with Esau and Jacob. Jacob was the second born. That's why he's called the supplanter, the trickster. He took the birthright from Esau when Esau, vain man that he was, gave it up for a bowl of soup. But the rights of the family is the firstborn gets the bigger inheritance. The firstborn has the first responsibility. He is to provide for all the others. He is to protect the others. Is it a coincidence that Jesus Christ is called the firstborn from the dead? Not at all. He's the inheritor. We inherit from him. He inherits all things. We are joint heirs with him. He's responsible to provide and care for us. Bless his name, he does. But his sin is there. You're probably going to do worse than this, Cain. And he did. 
if you look down in the verse 16, and I'm leaving a lot out, Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. Don't bypass that. It sounds to me very much like the night that Jesus at the Passover blessed his disciples, broke bread, so I'll not do this again till I eat it new with you in the Father's kingdom, and Judas went out, and it was night. Sounds just like that. Cain went out, built cities, populated, many children. Some of his sons were workers in brass. Some of them were musicians. But never again was there reference Cain and God even discussing. It came to pass while they were in the field. It says in verse 8, verse 8 of chapter 4, Cain talked with Abel in a process of time. Do you know that's the first time the word talked appears in the Bible? And they weren't talking in the house, they were talking in the field, not in this hearing or the presence of mommy and daddy. And all of that anger brew up, boiled up and Cain slew Abel. About a hundred years ago, when I studied psychology, abnormal psychology, I learned about displaced hostility. I haven't heard that term in probably 30 years. The conditions don't change, we just change the names of them. You know, used to be manic depressive, now you're bipolar. Used to be mentally retarded, now you're challenged. Conditions say the same, just different words. We used to have problems. Now nobody has problems, but everybody has issues. Have you ever noticed that? Well, he has heart issues. He has, he got a problem. Why do we, there's nothing wrong with the word. It's funny. But I took this class on displaced hostility. And I sat there for the first time understanding why I gave my baby sister such a hard time. I have one brother. He's with the Lord four years now, two, 27 months older than me. Walked around about two inches above the dirt. Never got whipped twice for the same thing in his life. Was playing the piano for the choir when he was eight. Mary, you'll love this. When he was 14, took the front off of our old big upright piano, put banjo picks on two fingers and a thumb, taught himself to play sweet hour of prayer, playing left hand on the tenths, and, and there are three wires for each note above middle C, and there's not any difference between I said, how did you learn? He spent a summer doing that. How did he said, I memorized not the position of the wires, but the position my hand had to be in. And if I got the first one right, artistic, funeral director, 
flew all over the South building heads so they could show the casket of the body in a body where somebody had been banged up and mutilated in a car wreck. Poetic. Just right after him came me. There are a lot of kids that could carry a tune at age eight but not play for the choir. 21 months after me came my sister, Nancy Kay. She was the baby of three, the only girl of three, had rheumatic fever when she was four. When we had to have those vaccinations, she had a scar that was bigger than my thumbnail right now. And it looked like bigger than a piece of sausage on her little arm. Displaced hostility. I would do wrong. I wasn't mischievous, I was mean. I would do wrong. My daddy would whip me. I can't whip my daddy. I can't whip my brother. He's older, he's bigger. I whipped my sister. <laughs> I didn't have to whip her. All I had to do was point my finger at her arm and say, scar, scar, ah, mama, he's doing it again. I gave her fits. I was getting even with my daddy for whipping me, even though I was wrong and deserved the whipping, I was taking it out on my sister. Do you know what Cain is doing? Cain is jealous of his brother Abel. Cain is angry at God. And he knows he can't defeat God. And that wrath boils up and he kills his brother. Unsaved people are angry at God. The Bible says when we were enemies to God, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we should be saved by his life. You cannot have fellowship unless there's first the blood offering. You can't come to God like Cain with works. They won't work. It won't avail. And you cannot get even with God. You may take your hostility out on everybody. Do you know in the mind of every serial killer, every serial killer is in his mind justified in doing what he does. That's displaced aggression. Happening more and more and more. Your dealing is with God. And the only way you're going to win is by surrender. It's borne out in Esau hating Jacob. It's not just Cain and Abel. Stand with me just outside the gate of Jerusalem on the cross in the middle is the body, the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in a way, on either side of him is a Cain and an Abel.
They're there. If you be the Christ, the Messiah, come down, save yourself and us. The other one said, we are getting our just reward. We've been a crime against the state, and the state is going to take our life. We deserve what we're getting. The other one is complaining, railing against Christ. The one on his right side said, greatest faith in the, old, in the New Testament is right here. Here is a man dying, talking to another man who is dying, and saying to that other dying man, when you come as king in your kingdom, remember me, please. How's that for faith? There's no greater faith in the New Testament than that. Today, not when I come in my kingdom, you don't have to wait today. You'll be with me in paradise. I've cut out an awfully lot. Here it is. Christ is on that cross. You stand there either as a Cain or as an Abel. Come every soul by sin oppressed. There's mercy with the Lord. He will surely give you rest by trusting in his word. Only trust him. Only trust him. Only trust him now. You sit here lost without Christ. You can't fight him. You can't win. Doesn't do any good to take your hostility out on somebody else. The way you win with God is surrender. Jacob proved that. Jacob wrestled with the angel. Really, the angel wrestled with Jacob all night. Jacob was on the defensive. But toward it comes toward the dawn, Jacob said, I'm on the offense, and it will, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Jacob won by submitting. That's how you win. You're going to leave the place today a Cain or an Abel.